Welcome back here to Phantoms on the Mound. My name is Dakota Haynes. I'm joined by Lee McManus, my co-host. Lee, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you to take the lead on today's show. All right. Well, thanks for being my double play partner here. Uh, we uh, we have to talk about some off-season stories we did not get to mm. uh, in our last podcast. And the biggest one it turned into the biggest soap opera I can remember of a free agent signing quite a while. Um, it kept uh, baseball in the headlines for nothing else uh, other than, you know, where was he going to end up? And uh, what was the stat? What's his status going forward long-term in terms of health? Mm-hmm. And that's of course, Carlos Correa and his free agency. Um this is this is a rather strange one to me. Uh, I, I wanted to start looking at this from the perspective of where he ended back up, and that's with the Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. What what did you make of this? Because this seemed odd to me from a contract perspective, because yeah. he he only he essentially only lost two million dollars a year mm-hmm. um, off of what they were paying him before. And that just seemed kind of odd to me, given what was supposedly happening with his ankle injury. Yeah, yeah you know, it's a weird concept um, because it's one of those where, like, the Met or excuse me, the Minnesota Twins obviously knew what was wrong and they didn't have a problem with it before. Right. So then he goes to the Giants, you know, massive contract. <laughs> that contract falls through because of his injury. Mm. There's something that they saw that they didn't want to deal with. Then he goes to the Mets. You know, that one took a little bit longer. Uh, He was a Met longer than he was a giant. But still, again, a massive contract that fell through because of that injury. Yeah. Now... It's looking like he's not going to be able to play a single MLB game for the rest of his career mm-hmm. for a team outside of Minnesota mm-hmm. just because of that injury. Like, they're the only ones that are okay with playing him. And I don't know if that's because they think they have, you know, the training staff that can provide what he needs or if that's because you know they are okay with him only playing 130 games a season or 100 games a season you know there's a lot to be untold there but the twins are coming off of a very interesting offseason if you take a look at it I mean they traded their third baseman you know they apparently look to be headed towards what could be called a rebuild. Mm. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see if that's where they're headed or if the Carlos Correa re-signing puts you back in contender in the American league. Well, here's the thing. There's a, Fast difference between being a contender in the American League Central, which is kind of in flux, although I think with the young pieces the Guardians have, 
um, if they can get them like a lot of those locked down long term, they could be in the best position I can remember for uh, Cleveland in, in quite a few years here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know how much influx it's going to be if if the Guardians solidify the, that core that showed uh, me a lot more than I expected them to last year. Yeah. Um, that that's that's one big thing the Twins have to consider, and the White Sox as yeah. well. By the way, um, who are coming off a year a year when uh, a lot more was expected of them, and there are a lot of question marks surrounding them this year mm-hmm. after what happened last year. So th- this is, you know, the the strange thing about this contract to me, when Correa first signed last year, I think his contract was almost four times more than anybody else on their active roster. And that's gone down some because Byron Buxton, another another, um, excellent player who's often injured, um, just signed a seven-year, $100 million uh, deal coming out of arbitration. So that gap's closed a little. But if you can – I think if I'm a Twins fan, I'm looking at this as if, you know, you can sign this guy for $33 million and then the gap to the next player is, you know, two two times less than that. Yeah. Why why can you sign what why are you so bent on signing this one guy for that big of a deal? And then it, there's a real huge drop-off to mm. everybody else. I think that's something that would be in my mind. You either have the money to spend on someone like him or you don't, you mm. know? That's well, and you going back to what I said about like just you know not quite sure if they're heading towards a rebuild or not. You know, they did get Joey Gallo, who mm-hmm. is coming off of a just a weird year. Like Gallo fell off massively last year. I mean, he was a big power. He's been a big power bat and major league baseball for years and then last year he just fell off pretty much the face of the earth well and hit under 200 hit under 150 for most of the year you know they got christian vasquez which is he's gonna be a nice catcher Mm. for them but you know and they have some other nice pieces byron buxton as you mentioned they've got max kepler Mm -hmm. um they've got michael taylor they've got uh, Nick Gordon, um, Kyle Farmer. Sure. Uh, they've got Chris Paddock, Emilio Pagan on the pitching staff. Sure. They've got Sonny Gray on the pitching staff, Tyler Malay, Kenta Maeda. You know, this is going to be an interesting roster here too, but I don't know if it's, it's one that can make the postseason. Yeah, give, given that this is – so hard to make a the postseason how the east still is and you know it's not going to get any easier if baltimore continues to improve their roster especially the pitching staff uh, baltimore had a pretty good hitting lineup last year in terms of their youth if they can find any pitching at all it's going to get even harder mm-hmm. in the american league to make the playoffs with toronto already being uh Strong lineup, although I, I'm wondering how much more time they're going to give all that youth um, if, if they don't produce more in the postseason. 
Tampa Bay is always Tampa Bay. You always seem to underestimate them, and they make the postseason and can at least scare some people. And, of course, the Yankees are the Yankees and the Astros are the Astros. So this is not going to be easy for Minnesota, no doubt, or the White Sox, especially with, as we, as I said, um, Cleveland overachieving and having a, now an excellent young roster to where if the Yankees or the Astros, who will, who will talk about their offseason moves, um, a little bit later here, uh, fall off at all. You know, they could be right there to to potentially win an American League pennant within a couple of years, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Well, it, it, like I said, it's going to be, you know, a very interesting um, season. And we have the Twins going 82 and 80 uh, as a uh, sports website. Um uh, Phantom Sports Industries, um, whatever you want to say. Uh, we have them going 82 and 80, and that's based off of our uh, semi-scientific guesses. Uh, final <laughs> sure. stand in October. Yeah, yeah. I Please, if if anybody uh, puts money on, on these teams' wins-loss records, don't go by me. <laughs> the the smart thing is to, is to go in the opposite direction of whatever I tell you. I, <laughs> for I, I, for a lot of these teams, it'll, your your bank account, your wallet will thank you. <laughs> I can give you, I can give you Lee's uh, predictions here. Just give me one second. I think I predicted the the Twins right around that record, didn't I? Yeah, you had them going eighty three and seventy nine. Okay, well, I'm I'm um, in line with everybody else. If if I if I'm wrong, so is everybody else. Surprisingly. Everybody was around that area. Um, the highest win total that the Twins had was 84. The lowest win total that the Twins were projected to have was 77. Mm. And that's so, you know, you average that out and it comes to 82 and 80. Um, but. You know, there was one person with an 81-81 record, 83-79 uh, twice. Um, so, you know, 84-77. Um, they're going to be somewhere in that area, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Especially with, you know, the White Sox getting better and the Guardians, you know, they, they just, from year to year, they seem to have a – strong grass on the American League Central. Well, yeah, and, and you know, Terry Francona, I thought, think was kind of forgotten about for a little while when Cleveland was not at the level that they that they were last year where they almost knocked off the Yankees. Um, <laughs> and the guy's been a great manager for a long time. And, and as long as he, you know, he's had some health issues. And I think especially – as long as he's healthy in there um, and you have the pieces in place that the young pieces in place that the Guardians have, they're, as I said, if the Yankees and Astros fall off a little bit at all in the next few years, the Guardians could be right there to, um, you know, make a World Series. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, you know, this is going to be an interesting year for baseball. You know, they're adding that extra wild card spot. Um, you know, taking the shift away, taking, you know, 
which that should honestly help Joey Gallo. But yeah, I was I was gonna mention that. We're gonna see, you know, if this is if this helps a lot of players. I think it's I think it's going to. I think the Mariners will be better benefiting mm-hmm. from that. Um, I think the twins are gonna be better benefiting from that. I think, you know, Carlos Santana, I'm not quite sure where he went, but he's gonna be better benefiting from that. I think he mm-hmm. went back to the Royals. But mm-hmm. you know, this is gonna be good for baseball i think there's going to be a lot more hits there's going to be a lot more um just in general teams that are doing better right well we're we're going to talk about that um what we think spring training will look like yeah there's rule changes in just a minute but briefly um i know you wanted to get to a break let's just break break down i think the mets are going to be fine without Correa. Francisco Lindor had a much better season last year and seemed to adjust to New York a little bit better. I know New York thinks the Mets think they needed another bat. I think not getting Correa affected the Giants a whole lot more than it did the Mets, in my opinion. I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but the Giants have a much older roster. Um, This shortstop is a premium position. I know in their mind, they're probably thinking this is a guy we can build a newer roster around, maybe. And I, I just, I, I think, um, you know, in the NL West, when you have the Dodgers and Padres already there, being very strong teams, um, and we'll get to the Dodgers' offseason moves a little bit later as well. I think this affected the Giants night by them. Um, Feeling to get Korea than it did the Mets. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, you know, the Giants were hoping to do something big this offseason. Mm, yeah. You know, they added Mitch Hanniger, who is uh gonna be slotting into their starting right field spot. They added mm-hmm. um they wanted to get uh Aaron Judge, which obviously didn't happen mm-hmm. with him going back to New York. Um, and then they went after Carlos Correa right after that. And it didn't quite happen the way that they wanted it to with the injury. Uh, so then they went after Michael Conforto mm-hmm. to add to that outfield. So now the outfield is Conforto, Yastrzemski, um, and Hanniger, which isn't a bad outfield, but I wouldn't say it's the best outfield of baseball. No. Um, but you've got an older Brandon Crawford who mm-hmm. kind of fell off a little bit last year. Yeah, he did. As your shortstop. Now, is that falling off due to the shift? Mm-hmm. Could he be better in 2023? I guess that's where, you know, that's where the Giants are going to have to hope for. That's what the Giants are going to have to hope happens is that that shift banning allows him to play better. Right. Sure. But yeah, I mean, the offseason didn't quite go the way the Giants wanted it to. But as far as the Mets, I mean, you're taking a look at a roster that, you know, is in somewhat still the same from last year. 
pretty much, pretty close, yeah. But you added Max Scherzer, you yeah. added Kode Singa, you added Justin Verlander. Actually, I, I, I guess Scherzer was already on the roster last year, but you right. added just Justin Verlander. Um, you added some key arms in the bullpen. Yeah. You know, and, and Francisco Lindor is a pretty good shortstop himself. You right, know? yeah. Yeah, his first season was rough in New York, but he, he definitely had a much better season last year. And that's why it surprised me that they would, uh, you know, other than it being New York, you got to fight for the back pages with the Yankees. And you sometimes have this in mind that you got to do something big and splashy because you're competing with the New York Yankees and you're the Mets, you're the little brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a P, almost a PR thing sometimes with moves that those two teams meet, make, especially the Mets. Yeah. But this is shaping up to be, you know, one of the best rotations in baseball. Well, it's it's a little bit on the older side, and they're going to have to help hope it stays healthy, obviously. But yeah, you've, I mean, got, actually, you've got Verlander, you've got Scherzer, you've got Jose Quintana, yeah. Kodai Senga, yeah. and Carlos Carrasco. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tremendous rotation, no doubt. It's it's just a question of two of those guys, especially, can stay healthy. Max Scherzer was, you know, a big part of the Dodgers postseason plans, and he, he had some injury issues that uh, definitely hurt the Dodgers two years ago. And he, you know, he wasn't fully healthy last year either. Yeah, he so only that's something that's something he's yeah. And you know, Justin Verlander, he's been phenomenal over the course of his career and I think healthy for a good majority of it but yeah at some point his body is going to catch up to him and it could yeah it could put some stress on his arm um you know you take a look at 2020 he only pitched one game Last year he pitched right. twenty eight. Yeah, that's. But he he was the Cy Young Award winner last year. So yeah, and but he, he didn't pitch a couple of games last season, especially towards the end of the year. So, but he also had a one point seven five ERA, which is the lowest of his career. Yeah, at the age. Oh, of there's no, yeah, there's no question when Verlander's healthy, he's still one of the five or ten best out there that you're going to run out there. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of, yeah, age cat. I, I will say this for the Mets. They were smart to give them just two years. Mm-hmm. I think I think not, um, you know, is an all-new way to being sell. bogged down with a long-term deal for him uh, made perfect sense. Yeah. But um, before we get into our spring training previews we're going to take a short break and we'll be back after this ad for one of our other podcasts here at phantom sports the phantom fantasy podcast if you're in the mood for more content from phantom sports industries join me brandon tim at the phantom fantasy football podcast together we can analyze and discuss the favorite hobby of millions of football fans in new and insightful ways by crunching the data and reviewing past performances 
that will ultimately help us become champions in our respective leagues. Listen anytime, and new episodes drop on Wednesdays wherever podcasts are found. Once again, this is the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast from Phantom Sports Industries. This is Brandon Tim signing out from the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll see you there. All right, welcome back. I'm Lee McManus once again here with Dakota Haynes, and we're going to touch on now a little bit of a spring training preview, particularly is is on uh, the rule changes that are going to be taking place and what we think that'll make spring training look like. Um, how much we think, for example, the pitch clock might be actually be enforced in spring training, and what that'll mean for pitchers and hitters, and also something to touch on is these rules aren't going to be enforced uh, at all. You know, the bigger base is not that big of a deal. Um, I don't think, in not being in the WBC, I don't believe they are, are they? Hmm. No, not that I right. know. Yeah, and so the shift in the pitch clock not being enforced in the WBC, um, World Baseball Classic, for those who don't know, um, it's the bigger deal to me because this that's a – good chunk of your spring training is going to be taken away if you decide to play in the uh, World Baseball Classic. So what what do you make of how, how spring training will, will look and whether, especially whether or not the pitch clock will be enforced in spring training? Yeah, I know a lot of pitchers have been pulling out of the World Baseball Classic so that they can adjust to not only the pitch clock, but the band shift. Because a lot of players rely on that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. The ability to be flexible, the ability to have their defense, you know, line up behind them in the (laughs) the batter hits. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think in order to have this go into full effect, you've got to start it out in spring training. You've got to be, you've got to be strict on it. Like, hey, we're going with this. You know, you need to follow the directions. You can't slack off. And if if they do slack off a bit, there needs to be some sort of a um punishment for it. Or, you know, like uh, if there's a runner on base, it's a balk. Or um, the runners are awarded a free base. Or some sort of, you know... Um, thing, but uh, yeah, I I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be interesting for sure. So, um, I think this is gonna be the best spring training that we've seen in quite some time, though, just because of these new rules. You know, mm-hmm. teams are gonna be uh, playing their best baseball. Teams are gonna be, you know, there's gonna be a lot of stories. Um, throughout spring training for a lot of teams. Yeah, uh, excuse me. Uh, I was just going to jump in and say, as someone who's been to a lot of Charlotte Knights games where, you know, this has been enforced in the minor leagues for nearly a decade now, the the penalty was supposed to be if you went beyond the pitch clock um, and you weren't you weren't ready within that 20 seconds for a pitcher, it was called a ball. 
And if the batter was out of the batter's box when that clock was up, it was called a strike. Okay. That's supposed to be the, the penalty. Okay. Um, and that's that's the thing that we have to remember. This rule was was there for quite a while. Um, and umpires wouldn't enforce it. So that's the one part of this I'm wondering about. Um, is or is that ball and strike call? If the pitcher isn't ready, it's a ball. If a batter isn't ready, it's a strike. Is that going to be enforced by the umpire? And that's I think that is something to watch uh, yeah. early in spring training. And then if it isn't, um, I'm certainly expecting uh, MLB to step in and, and tell them to do it um, because this is something that um, Rob Manfred has wanted for a while. Mm. Um, and for, for better or worse, we, we talked about this when these rules first rule changes first came down, Dakota. For better or worse, people have to understand that what's what's going on here is baseball wants more offense. They want more balls in play. They want more action. And this this these ideas they feel are the best way to do that, like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I think we'll see, you know, if in this spring training, I think we'll start to see whether or not our projections are going to line up to be true or not as mm-hmm. well. Like there's obviously at the beginning of the spring training, there's going to be the World Baseball Classic. Some teams aren't going to have their best players. Mm-hmm. But that opens up for, say, a team like the Diamondbacks or a team like the Orioles or a team like the Mariners. That opens up them having the ability to test out some of their prospects that sure. they don't get to have a chance to test out in a normal spring training. Right. Like a guy like, you know, Jonathan Class A or for the Mariners or a guy like um, trying to draw a blank, trying to figure out a name here, but drawing a blank um, <laughs> on the Orioles. I just did their um, preseason preview. Uh, not too long ago, but a guy like um, Joey Ortiz for the Orioles, mm-hmm. or you know some some sort of a uh, yeah, there's guys that you know you can test out in spring training, and that's where the non-roster invitees are going to come into play this year too. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a lot of teams that I've done so far with my preseason previews, and I'm doing one for every MLB team, but there's a lot of teams that have at least one 40-man roster spot open heading into spring training. Mm. So it opens up a spot for those prospects. It opens up a spot for those non-roster invitees who just have a fantastic spring training Mm-hmm. Um, and they're looking to make a big league ball club still, but right, sure. Um, yeah, point. it's gonna be an interesting spring training, no doubt about it. Yeah, I I agree because of the rule changes and and the World Baseball Classic together at the same time. You're right. This is a uh, potentially much more interesting uh, time for young prospects or you know, uh, 
even even a player like Vaughn Grissom, for example, you know, is is going to be in the spotlight more, much more for somebody like the Atlanta Braves mm-hmm. to see how well he's going to work out at shortstop. You know, he's he's supposedly done a a lot of off season work to try to improve at shortstop. So think things of that nature, even with pretenders are going to get a much bigger spotlight. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when, you know, he can't use the shift to maybe cover up some of his defensive shortcomings at shortstop. So that's that's something else to consider. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see if that pitch clock really affects some pitchers. You know, mm-hmm. a guy like Kenley Jansen, who mm-hmm. likes to take his time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's pitchers, you know, who – can't really do the fast paced, but with that being said, they might have to adjust to it. Mm. And sometimes, you know, especially a guy like, you know, we'll take Johnny Cueto, uh, for example. Johnny Cueto is one of those guys that he can throw multiple pitches. Like he can throw a quick pitch on you, mm-hmm. or he can take a little bit of time and, you know, throw it slow. But with that being said, there's some guys that are going to have to adjust and go more fast-paced. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But we're going to take another short break here. And we'll be back after this advertisement. Hey, do you want to invest in your favorite players like stocks? Well, with Prediction Strike, you can. Now, this app, Prediction Strike, you can buy and sell shares and athletes and build a portfolio based on who is going to perform in their games or just your favorite players. Download the app and use the code PHANTOM with an F, all capitals, when you sign up. Prediction Strike, the world's first sports stock market. Welcome back here to Phantoms on the Mound. My name is Dakota Haynes, and that's Lee McManus. Um, Lee, go ahead and take it away. I know you've got the last topic that we're going to talk about here today, so go ahead. Yeah, I I think we'd be a bit remiss here if we didn't talk about the off-seasons that two of the biggest contenders uh, for the Dodgers the last decade They've been sort of the standard in the National League, won nine out of ten uh, National League West titles, won a World Series, been to the World Series, what, four times, I believe, won, won four pennants. You know, the Astros have won two World Series in that same period of time. Uh, you know, been the AL West winners usually for pretty much every year during that during the last six years or so here been to the world series four times as well they both had pretty quiet off seasons i was uh before this podcast reading up on it and um the luxury tax is much more penal Uh, it penalizes you much more heavily if you go over it for three straight years Mm. and apparently the dodgers um made some smaller moves because they didn't want to hit that, go over that threshold for the third straight year, and I believe you're you're taxed at fifty percent or whatever 
of what you go over the tax at that point. So they kind of did a, a bit of a soft reset here, uh, letting Trey Turner go. Uh, that was the big obvious loss for them. Mm -hmm. They did sign Noah Syndergaard, uh, J.D. Martinez, and a couple of other, you know, relatively good pieces. Um, but Trey Turner is definitely the biggest loss for them. And, of course, the Astros lost uh, Vasquez, as we mentioned earlier, as you mentioned earlier. They've lost Verlander. They've lost both of their uh, first basemen. But they did sign Jose Abreu. So do we think the lack of flashy moves for both of these teams brings the AL and NL closer to them? What what are we expecting now in terms of how they're going to look in 2023? Yeah, I'm not going to go fully in depth here, um, only because I am doing the MLB season previews on the Phantom Sports YouTube channel. But I will say this. Um, these teams have lost quite a bit. Um, just in, you know, the losses of Justin Verlander, the loss of Christian Vasquez for the um, Astros, you know, they lost Trey Mancini, mm -hmm. but they picked up uh, Jose Abreu. Right. That's going to be a name that I'm interested to see because it's kind of as if the White Sox um, are just trading pitchers with uh, or first basemans with the uh, Giants here, um, or excuse me, the Astros here. But yeah, this is going to be interesting because. Jose Abreu isn't coming off of it the greatest season, mm -hmm. but I think he's well worth a chance to see if he's still got it. Right. Sure. I agree. And if he does great, then great. That's, you know, that's better for the Astros. Mm -hmm. But as far as the Dodgers, I, I don't think that the Dodgers have what it takes to win nine, uh, you know, hundred games again this year. And I'll get into that, you know, in my season previews. But this is, yeah, these two teams. I, I honestly don't know if they have the talent to win that many games this year and as you you know projected them you projected them to go 94 and 68 this season mm -hmm. that's where i had the seattle mariners mm -hmm. at 94 and 68 mm -hmm. and if that's the case i think if they don't have the talent if the astros don't have the talent to you know keep up in this keep up this season like if Abreu doesn't work out if you know the loss of Christian Vasquez and the loss of you know Verlander proved to be crucial for this roster I mean even 
without Verlander pitching. He's just a phenomenal locker room guy. He's a leader. He knows what mm. it takes to win a World Series. He knows what it takes to, you know, take care of your body. Sure. He's a guy that could be crucial for the loss of this team in many different ways. Sure. So I don't know if, you know, the Astros will get back to, say, the World Series or if they'll even lead the American League West this next season. And taking a look at the Dodgers now, I don't know if they have what it takes to lead the National League West. Because you got to take that, take a look at that team down in San Diego. <laughs> You're talking, they've got Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, and Fernando Tatis. And they also, as we're recording this, just signed you Darvish to a six year extension. Right. Yeah. I did see that. So this is a team that, I mean, we have them projected to go 95 and 67. But this is a team that has the chance to take over the National League West. Yeah, I I, I think, to me, the Astros are in a better position in the American League only because if you look at the contenders outside of the Yankees, I think the Yankees benefit the most to me anyway, from the, if the Astros fall off right now in yeah. the future, I think the guardians and Mariners will benefit more. I picked the Mariners to finish 86 and 76 only because I'm just curious if they'll take a step back this year, if they're fully ready to, to hit the gas and have the, kind of seasons they had when when Griffey and uh yeah. A-Rod and and um all those you know Randy Johnson was on the staff and all those players were there in the 90s. We'll see. I'm I'm anxious to see how the Mariners look this season. That's um, a that's a very that's a very um what's the word I'm looking for? That's a great way to look at it. But I'll say this. They did lose Hanniger. Mm -hmm. But that outfield is going to get more interesting. Mm -hmm. You've got T. Oscar Hernandez. He's going to take over in right field. Yeah. And the spring training, as I mentioned, there's going to be um, room for guys to show what they've got. Mm -hmm. It's beneficial for the Mariners because you have two left-handed outfield hitters who have been prospects, have been top prospects in baseball, but neither of them have lived up to the hype that has surrounded mm -hmm. their name. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking Taylor Trammell and Jared Kelnick. Yeah. Now... You take a look at the Mariners and you what they did recently in this offseason. You got AJ Pollock. Mm -hmm. Pollock is a right-handed bat who hits well against lefties. 
both of those guys hit good against right-handers. Mm-hmm. So in this spring training, whoever hits better is going to win out. Right. And then you're going to platoon them with A.J. Pollock, basically creating one monster of a bat in that right. left field spot. Yeah, but as, as I was saying, I mean, we've already seen the Dodgers losing the playoffs uh, to the Padres, to the Braves. We've seen the Phillies win the National League uh, last year. So it, the reason I say that the, the um, National League benefits more if the Dodgers fall off a bit is because I think there are more teams that were closer to them already and could beat them in the come postseason. Sure. Um, so that that's, you know, and the Dodgers can look at it as, well, we picked up Syndergaard and we got Walker Bueller back as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he has, if he's healthy, he's an excellent picture, pitcher. Um, if he's healthy, he's had some health issues uh, just beyond last season. So I can understand them thinking that they're not in a bad position yeah, I, the only thing I'm worried about with the Padres is will will Tatis be able to integrate himself back into the roster? Because you know, without him, they were they weren't that far from making a World Series, mm-hmm. and so he's he's got a lot of work to do in terms of mending some fences here with I, his teammates, in my opinion. Yeah, look, and the Padres just had their, you know, fan fest the other day. And there was one question, there was one thing that really uh, stood out to me. I was watching some videos on, you know, all of the spring, the fan fests. (laughs) But there's one thing that really stood out to me at the San Diego Padres fan fest. Here's, Here's what stood out to me. So somebody in the fan section or whatever had asked the players, and it was it was those four that I mentioned. It was Machado, Soto, Bogarts, and Tatis all on the panel. But somebody had asked who they would like to face in the World Series. <laughs> and Fernando quickly irked up and was like, who would you like to see us face? And they started, the fans started ran, rambling off some teams. And Tatis quickly goes, well, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter because we're going to beat them anyways. <laughs> so I think Tatis is ready to accept whatever role the Padres give him. Mm-hmm. Whether that be second base, whether that be the outfield, whether that be DH, because you have to think there's got to be a DH too, and you, you know, if you use that for a an off day type thing, then you know that that's great too. But the Padres don't have that I know of a set guy for their DH bot. And I'm trying to take a look at their roster as I'm saying that. 
But, you know, they lost. Uh, they lost Will Myers, didn't they? They lost Will Myers. Right, yeah. I think and he they would, lost. He... Wait, they do have a set DH, Nelson Cruz. Hmm. Uh, that's that's a perfect role for Cruz at this point in his career is to be a DH. Yes. And Cruz is coming off of a down year mm. with the shift could benefit him. Uh, yeah. But yeah. He, but yeah, this is going to be, you know, an interesting lineup um, with the Padres because they don't know, you know, you don't know where you're going to put Tatis yet. Mm. Um, you could put him out in outfield. You could put him in second, but then you've got to figure out what you're going to do with Haseon Kim. Mm. Yeah, I would. I think they it... already know that they're going to have Jake Cronenworth at first base. Mm. So, yeah, you've just got to figure out what you're going to do with Haseon Kim and. Fernando Tatis, but if you have Tatis in the outfield, you know, you then that puts a, another dilemma there. Yeah. Um, because you've got Jose Azacar, Matt Carpenter, Adam Engel, Trent Gresham, and Juan Soto currently as your five outfielders. Um, but Tatis is out for another, you know. So games, but yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting, but I just found that interesting what uh, <laughs> Tati said. So I had to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, I, my, my view is, I, I, I mean, if you have Nelson Cruz at DH and he does well, fine, but Tatis is going to end up either as, uh, unless you move Kim, uh, and, and trade him away. I, you know, I don't see him. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll be proven wrong about Tatis. I don't see him as a natural second baseman. I mm. see Kim as much more of a natural second baseman defensively. Mm. Uh, you're you're gonna have to either either you're gonna you're gonna move Kim and have Tatis at second base, or you're gonna have him at the outfield in DH. Um, and I see I see him potentially ending up more in the outfield. Hmm. That's just my my two cents. They could also put uh, Bogarts over at second. Well, it, yeah, I I think Bogarts is a pretty solid But he's shortstop. a pretty shortstop, yeah. Yeah, if, I mean, he's, I, I don't think the move to second base would be bad for him. Um, if you want to have... Second in his career before, so... Yeah. I don't. I don't think that would be bad if you did that, and you could have, you know, Kim as a late inning defensive replacement at shortstop or second, maybe, at some points, and not off your bench. Yeah, maybe that lengthens your bench a little bit. I, that would be something to consider as well. Yeah, it's definitely something to consider because then you, yeah, you'd have a good bat off your bench, um, mm -hmm. and the way that the DH, I'm taking a look at the Padres depth chart on their roster here. But I'm I'm gonna dive into more on rosters and my season previews. But um, on the um, depth chart here, it does have Matt Carpenter, 
and Nelson Cruz listed as the um, designated hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has Fernando Tatis listed as the fourth shortstop, as the fourth center fielder, and the fourth mm-hmm. right fielder. But you also have to consider he's out for some games still due to his right, suspension. Sure. Um, but once he comes back, does he take over for Grisham in center field? Does he take over in left field? Where yeah, you're not you're not moving Juan Soto out of his spot, so he, no. he's either playing. Uh, and center is such an important defensive position. I think you'd want to protect him a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. you send him out to left. Yeah, that's the other thing is you know you could, Tatis has some injury, um, issues in the past. Maybe send him out to left. But yeah. then you then you're stop gapping your prospect of an outfielder in Jose Azucar, also known as Sugar. Right. Well, yeah. I, no, I understand that. But uh, you know, you you're someone that talented, especially as talented a hitter as he has. Mm-hmm. Um, he hit the single longest home run I can ever. Admit. I thought he was yeah. going to hit one completely out of Dodger Stadium. I still haven't forgotten that home run. Oh. That was- <laughs> Yeah. That was insane. I've but never seen one. I've never seen a ball that hit that far at Dodger Stadium. A guy is a, too good of a hitting talent to not not figure out a spot where he's going to be comfortable for, defensively. Hmm. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Fernando Tatis. Yeah. But yeah, I, as you mentioned, you know, um, the yeah, the National League is going to benefit from you know if the Dodgers do fall off here. I think your dog agreed with you there. (laughs) I just heard him speak up. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's going to do it for us here today on uh, Phantoms on the Mound. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. My name is Dakota Haynes, and that's Lee McManus. Make sure to check out all of the MLB season previews that we have. I've got more coming. Uh, Right now, I've done six of them. I've got 24 more coming for you. My name is Dakota Haynes. That's Lee McManus. We're here with Phantom Sports Industries. Thanks for watching. I just wanted to briefly uh, shout you out for doing that. That's a lot of work. Be glad MLB hasn't expanded already. You have (laughs) two more teams to do. (laughs) I'm glad they haven't. Yeah. Take care, everyone.